so do not necessarily represent those of the management and staff of WTCA. It's the What's Your Opinion show, our daily talk show focusing on you, the people, events, and issues of Marshall County. Now here's your hosts, Kathy Bodorf and Rusty Nixon. WTCA. I always wanted to learn Spanish, but I never thought I'd have the time. Then I discovered Babbel. Babbel's lessons are fun. They only take... Okay. All right. Stop. People, stop. Okay, Kevin, what are you doing? Are you dancing around? I'm looking. Kevin's looking for something on the floor in here. I'm Rusty this morning, and Kevin is Kathy this morning. Oh, and he's just looking for stuff on the floor for some reason. Actually... Uh, Kevin just walked in the door this morning, so he's, uh, uh, you know, kind of catch his breath a little bit. So while he's catching his breath, I do want to let people know that the Tippecanoe Improvement Association is having a fish and chicken fry. It is going to happen on Saturday from 4 until 7. The dinner includes french fries, baked beans, and coleslaw, and they're doing carryout or dine-in, plus they're going to have a bake sale. It's at the Tippecanoe Community Building. So they're raising money to work on their park. So if you want to help the Tippecanoe Improvement Association, actually French fried chicken, fried, French fries, baked beans, and coleslaw sounds pretty good to me. So I, that, that's not a bad deal. No, it's not. Only problem is, Laura and Kevin is we've already oops we've already made our plans to. Uh, that was my phone. That was yours to go out mine. for dinner. <laughs> Mine's on silent on Saturday night. So. Yes, that's what's going to happen with us on Saturday night. I don't Morning, know where Kathy. How are you? I'm okay. I'm Rusty. Man. Oh, I'm yes. You're I'm Kathy. Rusty. I'm Kathy today. Right, exactly. Rusty is still under the weather, so we he, we didn't even get a ball game in last night. Um, there is another ball game tonight, so I'm hoping that Does he just have a cold or no. He has a stomach bleh, the uh... from the stomach. Yes, so. I, I don't know. And he had this two weeks ago, too. Oh, did he? The same thing. And he missed two days of work and for the same issue. Situation. Hmm. Yeah. That, that one, I thought maybe he'd gotten food poisoning or something. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe he cooked again and got some more food poisoning. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe. <laughs> never can tell. <laughs> you, you don't know, though, nope. sometimes. So um, we are going to have a special guest on the show this morning with us. We are going to have Peter Paul. Yes. Um, and he is actually a young man running for county assessor on the Republican ticket. He's not being challenged in the primary. Correct. Um, he probably very unlikely that he would be challenged in the fall. It, it's one of those jobs is why would you run for it? Kind of <laughs> like that in the auditor's office. <laughs> it, it has a ton of responsibilities. And basically, especially right now with, I see all these people going to the county building up to the second floor, turning left off the elevator, turning left down the hallway and then turning right, going into the treasurer's office. But, you know, that's where this whole process starts is up in the assessor's office. Exactly. And they, and, and people have gotten, seen their assessments and, and, and they're like, I kind of go in there, why? um, 
know, there's a lot of people I ride up on the elevator with that I don't think because, you know, I don't dress. Um, like a commissioner? Like a commissioner. Uh, oh, okay. I, I dress like a retired farmer. And so people say, <laughs> man, I can't believe how much my taxes went up. And so, it, you know, there's probably a reason for all this. And hopefully Pete, Peter will be able to explain why some of this is going yeah. on. And, you know, people also have to realize that all the taxes that they pay, they do not go to the county. I mean, that, there's well, a that's small true portion too. of There's a lot of it that goes to schools. You know, you have your townships. Yeah. You you know, fire, all, solid waste is on there. All health department. Are we, all the county is, they are a collector of the taxes. And then in June, we distribute those taxes to those taxing units and those entities, which includes township, fire, you know, everything, a lot of that money goes back to those taxing units. So it, it's all not, we're just a depositor and the collector. You know, we do get a small right. portion of these taxes, but uh, usually we're about the smallest piece of the pie. Well, and that's what I've but seen. But we are, but there are several pieces to the pie that <laughs> this money goes to. So. You know, and I know that there's people upset, but you also have to realize that um, we, as a county, do we distribute that money. So, but the Peter can is, tell us. Yeah, but obviously a lot of people <clears throat> believe, and there have been comments made on Facebook, you know, like, like the county's trying to do another big project, so they had to get come up with more money, so they increased our taxes. It, that has nothing to do. That has nothing with this. to do with anything. The commissioners have no control over this, um, and Peter we, Paul's going to tell us how it has actually determined what your property is valued at. That's your assessed value. Well, and that's what's gone up, so that your your tax taxes have gone up because of that. Well, you know, a lot of this falls back on the state of Indiana on things that are required now and you know um when they put in the the one two three the um, tax caps um that's got something to do with other people's property now and so there's just a lot of uh, mitigating people that have their fingers in the pot that contribute to this you know and i'm sure you've heard i've heard i've heard people tell me that you know, some of these people are buying houses. You know, if you have a house yes. listed for 200000 you know, it, it's not uncommon for somebody to come in and, you know, even though you're asking two hundred, somebody's willing to pay you 230000 So if you live in that neighborhood, and I believe, but Peter will probably maybe straighten me out on this, but it's all on the market. So... You know, if you live in a neighborhood over on Ferndale Avenue, let's just say, okay. you have four or five houses that are sold and say the asking price is 200 but people come in and they want a house. So they, so, and I think that's how this is becoming, uh, why you're seeing such a rise in property tax. But Peter will hopefully straighten me out and I'm probably wrong. Well, and, and I don't know when 
when they actually start determining that? Is there a day? I think they're into that process already for next year. Okay. Yeah. It, the thing is... Because um, I think it used to be... Uh, and if you talk to a realtor like uh, Jim Masterson or Mandy or any, any realtor, they can they can help you explain why some of this is going on. Because they get it too. Because they, yeah, they've understood it. Well, he's going to be our guest a little bit later on in the show. Unfortunately, I am behind the control board again today, and I do not know how to operate the phone system. I did try to get it open. I couldn't even get it open on this computer. Um, I called my tech guy who was driving in the car, and he said, I can't do it right now because he can get into my computer as well. I'm here, but he goes, I can't do it right now. I said, okay, no big deal. So if you're going to have questions for Peter Paul about your tax assessments, um, call and and Jim Bodarf will write them down and bring them in to us. Can they text you? One in, run here and here. Can you get a text Um, or no? No. Well, let let me see. Rusty's got some. Rusty's got some things. Free texting online. What's that? Let's get over here. I'm glad you're sitting back here, um, not me. Let's see. Okay, I see texts on here. So, well, you know, I could text myself. Yeah, you could. Because I do have that number in here somewhere. And see. Um, <clears> we do have the ability to text. I just don't know if I have the ability to find it and open it to make it work. So, that's... That's the big question. But for me, it's like I'm old school. Use a phone call and see if we can yep. get it to work. All right. I just sent myself a text. It says test. I have to see if something pops up. Hmm. Nothing yet. He said something. I heard Jim say something. <clears throat> We're all here in unchar- uncharted territory. <laughs> yes, we are. Definitely. I don't know. Maybe I have to click on these. Oh, somebody was listening from Puerto Rico one day. I don't know what day that was, but. I had a couple in the store yesterday from Puerto Rico. Really? They live in Chicago. Here's yep. something about the junior high golf match. But, uh, and they want to know if Rusty Pitch counted. Uh, Manzook. That was on the 27th, but I still don't see my text on here. And I'm I'm not sure how. I mean, I'm 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 you know, somebody wants to te- if if somebody out there knows how or wants to text me, you know, and we can try it and see if something comes in. You didn't get your text? I didn't get my text. No. There's a text from yesterday. Here's somebody that texted in. Oh, no, that's the 25th. Save $275 on their taxes. I don't know how that... Oh, there's my text. Okay, so maybe maybe we can do text the show. <laughs> we'll see. Let's see. Complicated. Technology. Technology. Yeah, technology. It's great if you know what you're doing. So text the show is 574-307-6647. So, if you want to text the show. So, there you go. All right. Let's get into a little bit of news uh, before we get to our guest. Um, And actually, both of my stories come off of the county commissioner's um, meeting from last week. Um, The first one was Greg Hildebrand. 
who uh, was there to um, talk about the Lifelong Learning Network yes. and introduce their new, brand new, they've never brand had one new. Before, before, the executive director that they recently hired. And, just the and we all know her. hired at the first of this month. Yeah, and we all know her, Allie Shook. Yes, we actually I, do. I, I was excited about that. I've worked with Allie on the Crossroads uh, and Stellar, and she's just, does a fabulous job for us. And so that was a, uh, I'm, I know American engineering down in Argus is probably sad, but uh, we're kind of happy that we're happy to have her here uh, to lead this for us. So we expecting, you know, big things in the next couple of years and trying to get, uh, trying to get this to move forward. So we're, kids that don't want to go to college they can learn skills uh for other types of employment here in the county and you know it, there's a a great need for employees um everywhere so this is, you know this is probably going to be something like over on the skill uh over in kind of like county, the skill center in, over in knox that yeah that's where a lot of our kids are going now over to stark county to uh, go through that program over there. I know my granddaughter, who will be 17 in August, she's the only one in the Caller High School that she signed up for welding classes. Oh, wow. So okay. she goes over to, she'll go over to the Skill Center and go over there and learn how, you know, learn how to weld. Yes. Um, it really is. And, and it, you know, she just bought an old Ford pickup truck that's got loud pipes on it. And, you know, it's got the... Is that wind- the one you had to go jump the other day? Yeah, and it's got the crank windows in it. No, oh, my no, no power. Yeah, I mean, And it's got the... Because I, I rode with her Sunday coming back from church in Rochester, and it has the old vent windows in it, too. Wow. I said, man, you haven't seen one of these for a while. So, yeah, it's an old school pickup. It's, that's cool. But she loves it. That is really neat. Yeah. Jeez. Um, but, you know, with this, the Lifelong Learning Network is not just for helping kids in high school decide, kind of help them in a career that they're looking for. It is also for adults who are already in the workforce, but possibly with some additional training could move up in the job that they currently yep. have. They need some certifications or something. Well, um, and, they want to offer that kind of stuff. And you have people that are going through ward buyers uh, yes. over at Community Corrections where, you know, some of those people that could learn. I, I know ITAMCO has hired quite a few people that are on Community Corrections that work down there. And ITAMCO has sent them on to uh, higher, higher education to improve their skill set so and that's what this is going to do you know this was a kind of a program that came out of the crossroads uh and um, but i know that there are some candidates out there running for county commissioner that are taking credit for this that this is they got this all started and, and that's not the case it, it came out it was a function of crossroads so and uh, it's been it's been around for, for now a couple of years. Couple it's years, really getting it's really going. growing feet right now and legs, and it's starting to. We're not crawling anymore. We're starting to walk, and hopefully we can start running here pretty <laughs> soon. So you know they're looking at different locations, and this is part of the the ready grant that uh, our region with Elkhart and St. Joe County 
was awarded the 49. And this is part of that ready program that we're going to apply. If, you know, they're kind of looking for a building. They're right. looking for some some place to go, some place to build something. So uh, they can submit a grant yep. to, to have an actual facility, a location where they can actually offer some classes and some training right. inside. Not that they're going to move everything all at once to that building. Um, you know, the welding is probably going to still stay over in Stark County for a while. For a while. Um, eventually, they may have two courses. And part of the reason on that is because Stark County is on a different time zone than we are. So mm-hmm. that makes it more the, difficult, difficult for the schools to f- figure out the, you know, getting the kids there on time, that kind of stuff. So if we have one in our our time zone, it'll make things a little bit easier. Yeah. And I think they're looking at some possibilities of some locations here in Plymouth, um, maybe out, maybe here by, or, you know, there, there's talk of some empty buildings too, that they may look at, but, uh, revitalize them, revitalize them, you know, um, because I don't think the I, old Lincoln high school has enough space that they would need. And that, and that was one of the places that they talked about. And, um, I talked to Greg and, Sean Peterson and the superintendent over at Triton School. And I said, well, you know, we have 160 acres out there at the county farm. If we knew what was going to happen to US 30. And I said, you know, that might be a place to to put this, a new building. Mm-hmm. And, and instead of trying to retrofit a building where you're probably going to add more cost, just start off new and build the what you need where you know, as these manufacturing centers have been being built, they're expandable and it'd be something right. that they could expand. So, you know, um, so the same situation, same build situation. something that would be expandable. Yep. Start net and, this and way. have the, the height in the building where you could put car lifts. Uh, right. For, yeah. You know, so, but we'll see what happens. Uh, but they are putting, you know, putting a plan together. They certainly are. And they're also um, intensifying a little bit more on the low end uh, with youngsters. Mm -hmm. Um, Very young. I mean, we're talking like preschool type situation of assisting there and actually um, pushing the STEM. So that's science, technology, ST, science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, putting that all in there. Yep. Um, so, but kind of as they're little and they maybe are learning yeah. to pl- play, um, they'd have some things there to, you know. You and, can go shopping at one place. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they're really they're really working. They're not. This is not like a daycare center. This is like they're trying to encourage daycare centers to to bring in STEM, STEM. education for students. In the preschool and 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 elementary age, so that you can get kids interested yep. in that, and and as they go through high school, then they can kind of take that path. So, yep. um, it's a neat thing. So that was the one one story I did. The, one of the other stories I needed a quick short one for uh, Bob, who did the news for us today, um, and County Attorney Jim Clevenger spoke to you guys a little bit about the Community Resource Center. That building is actually up for sale, um, and and there has been some interest from the county on the purchase of that building, because basically you guys are you're full, 
every every room, everything you have, whether it's in the courthouse or the county building, out at the county highway garage, out at the museum, everything is full. And so, um, you know, there was some interest, especially because you already have community corrections working in and that a, building. In the health department. Right. And so um, you guys decided that you would get an appraisal of that property um, because to purchase it for the county, you have to have really two appraisals. And then you can you can pay. You can't – you, supposedly you can't go higher than the right. medium you, you, of those two. Yeah. But we've kind of taken the back seat to that because to get the appraisal, it was – Way more expensive than what we wanted to pay. So just to get the just appraisal. to get the appraisal, yeah. and you know we've heard that there's a lot of interest in that building, and um, we don't want to get into a bidding war. Well, and the problem with you guys is we can't. If move you do that. this appraisal, we can't. That move. comes out in the public, then people know yeah. exactly how much money you can bid, and we can't move very fast. And um, <laughs> actually, the county attorney said that they want. All the bids in By today. Today is and the deadline. So we didn't submit a bid. So that is off off the burner now. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, and at some point, and I know there was an interest in it because um, there's there that right now there has been a committee that's put been put together and they've been active for about a year uh, through community corrections of. Kind of finding a location where you can get community corrections and probation in the same department, in the same area, because they work so closely together. And so, there, as I said, there's a committee led by uh, Judge Matt Sarber, who is actually looking at finding a current facility that might be available that you could retrofit or building a new one. Um, You know, I was... I was out there at the morgue the other day, and uh, you were. Well, I wasn't in it. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> no, actually, I was, uh, but <laughs> I wasn't in a bag. So, uh, but you know, there's a lot of space there between the morgue and that fire tower, and you know, we have property there. So, you know, if we do something, maybe we should just build something for probation and community corrections out there by on that property out there somewhere out in there and just mm-hmm. put up something that we can, you know, we don't need three stories. Right. You know, we we could do a one story, uh, whether it's 5,000 or 10,000 square feet, but make it expandable, expandable again. again and make it large enough. So we only have to do this once and maybe somebody in the next 30 or 40 years can, if they need to expand it. But, uh, I think that probably is going to make more sense. We have water and sewer out there anyway. Uh, like I said, I, I don't think we need a three-story building. It, probably, <laughs> it You know, it would have been nice to get this, but I we just don't want to buy something and make a mistake. And so that's why we've kind of backed off on pursuing that building. Um, you know, it's getting some age on it. And you know, I think well, I think they still some have issues. some some issues yeah. downstairs in the basement, and you know, they were supposed to be corrected. But uh, I just think that in the future, if if we do do and we if we do have to do something, that we just put something out there 
on that property out there west of town. And so you would put community corrections in there. And, and probation. probation. And then would you move the health department out of that building and move I, them I back would, into the I would probation move back, department? I, I would move them back to the probation department. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And then you wouldn't be paying rent to anybody. Yeah. And, um, you know, it. and this probably sh- maybe should have been done two or three years ago, but, you know, now... When the prosecutor uh, they, needed more space and you yeah. guys had to push out the health department. Yeah. yeah, so. Because at that point there was talk about moving for uh, Purdue Extension down to the, the fairgrounds. fairgrounds. Down to that building, but <laughs> that didn't pan out either. So yeah, uh, so I think probably in the long run that's going to be our best thing to do is just look at putting a building Something up on out your there own property. on our own property. Um, I also want to let folks know that uh, primary election day is coming up on Tuesday. Thank God. <laughs> and you can vote today in the clerk's office from 8 until 4. And then this Saturday, you can vote from 8 a.m. until 3 p.m. in the clerk's office here in the courthouse. You can also vote at the Pines over in Bremen and down at the Culver School Administration Building. You do not have to live in Bremen to vote at Bremen or in Culver to vote at Culver. If you're from Plymouth and you're going to Culver to the root beer stand for lunch tomorrow, you can go vote at the yep. Culver administ- the school administration building and get that done. Which is on School Street across from the high school. So that is from 8 until 3 on Saturday. And then on Monday, there will be voting in the clerk's office from 8 a.m. until noon. And then they will close down. And be done with the early voting. Yep. And then on Tuesday, Tuesday election day, uh, we have voting here in Marshall County from 6 a.m. till 6 p.m. This is a primary, so you have to go in and declare if you're a Republican or a Democrat to vote. Um, and there are 12 vote centers. You can choose whatever is most convenient for you. I think they. I think Debbie got enough poll yes, workers, she did. I think. Yeah, um, which is good. There, right now, you can vote at the, or you'll be able to vote at the Match Manchet Manchet Center in Bourbon, also at the Marshall County Community Center at the fairgrounds in Argus, the La Paz Fire Station, the Tyner Community Building, the Tippecanoe Community Building, the Culver School Administration Building, Bremen High School, Bremen Pines, the Knights of Columbus in Plymouth. Marshall County REMC. Here's a new one. The Life Enrichment Center on Harrison Street in Plymouth. Yep. They actually moved that out of the armory. Armory. And moved it over to the Life Enrichment Center. And then uh, on the at the Pretty Lake Church Hall on State Road 17 west of Plymouth. So those are your 12 vote centers. You have that option on Tuesday to go to. Um, you know, we're, it, it has been... Rather slow so far, but... I talked to... It, Debbie said they had like... I, I don't know if it was maybe Tuesday. They had like 45 people in there that came in and voted, which was a high number compared to the previous week, which <laughs> I don't... I know uh, Lynn Ward and Donna Pontius, they were reading books. Sitting there <laughs> twiddling their thumbs. Like, Just waiting for hello. people to come in. So uh, hopefully it, it will... Hopefully it's picked up and... There's a lot of contested races. On the Republican side, the Republican, there's none on the, on the Democrat, Democrat side. side. So in reality, 
if you're a Democrat and you want to go vote, you can go. You can actually vote on the Republican Republican side side. because you're not missing anything. Yep. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Um, Also, there's just a little picture on there and a little thing I got from Plymouth FOP Lodge 195. Um, Yvette Downey uh, from the Delta Theta Tau Sorority presented a check to uh, John Weir, who's a member of Plymouth FOP 195 uh, for the money is for the Shop at the Cop and Emergency Services program they hold every year in December. So there, that's on there. And then I want to remind everybody that Saturday is also uh, the Drug Enforcement Administration uh, nationwide. It's uh, Drug Take Back Day. And so here I know that uh, the sheriff will be at Walgreens and they'll have deputies out and it'll be a drive-through situation. You just get your old pills that are in the medicine cabinet and are in the cupboard. You're not using anymore. Or you're not taking and get rid of them. Clean them out. So it, that's going to happen tomorrow uh, from 10 a.m. until 2. Uh, and it's also happening over at Bremen at the state police post there. So, oh. you know, get rid of those drugs. Get them out of your house because a lot of times that's what actually causes yep. You know, especially when you have young, younger people to start, you know, start when you have, have parents that pass away and a lot of those yep. parents are on med, we're taking medication and, you know, it's always a what do you do with this we, stuff yeah, after, after they're gone? Yeah. So, great. Oh, you yeah. know, they, something like they should do that maybe twice a year. So you don't have to wait for a year. But, well, I know um, they'll do a drug take but back it, during the senior expo too. Oh, do they? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's another, it's a smaller opportunity, Yeah. but there is another chance. And I out at the Marshall still, County Sheriff's Department. They have a drop off yes, out there too. There I is think. a box inside the lobby that yeah, you, you can, can drop just off. take yep. your drugs out there and drop them off at any time. Yep. And I mean anytime because they're open 24-7, There's somebody there 24-7. That's <laughs> the right. door is never locked. No, it's not. <laughs> so, All right. We're going to take our first break of the morning because our guest has arrived in the studio with us. And I've got two tickets. It's for tomorrow. It's uh, a benefit for Tim Cornette who needs a double lung transplant. And this wow. is caused by COVID, actually. COVID. Yes. Um, it's called Just Breathe Fundraiser. It's going to be held tomorrow from 11 in the morning until 2 in the afternoon. So this is really like a lunch thing at Bob's Cafeteria over on East Jefferson Street. Um, you get barbecue, uh, coleslaw, kettle chips, water, and a cookie. Tickets are $15 each, and so we have two cookies. Now, proceeds from this is going to help the Cornette family with all the medical expenses, I know they flew him to Florida because there's um, some doctors down there who are willing to do this. I know my transplant sister had a friend that she worked a nurse down at St. Vincent's got COVID, and they had to take her up to Chicago for a double lung transplant. Wow. And it was she was in the hospital for a long, long time. Yeah, and well, this flight just to get him to Florida was very expensive too. I yep. mean, way more than anybody would you just ever anticipate. Can't go buy a plane ticket. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, Kevin, is the dice still over there? Yeah, it's here from. All right, still here from yesterday. We'll let you roll the dice for those two tickets. Oh, that was the same one I got yesterday. <laughs> Number five. 
574-936-4096. That's 574-936-4096. It's two tickets to the Just Breathe fundraiser for Tim Cornette that's happening tomorrow at Bob's Cafeteria here on East Jefferson Street in Plymouth. We're going to take a commercial break, and we will be right back after this. Are you looking for a new hauler for trash removal? Call Apex Waste. Large or small, we'll take your call. When you choose Apex Waste, there's no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and no taxes. What we say is what you pay. Apex Waste is a local family-owned company that is dedicated to reliable, friendly service. Call Apex Waste at 574-896-APEX. That's 574-896-2739 or visit us online at apexwaste.net. At Co-Alliance Propane, we treat our customers like neighbors because it's exactly what we are. Co-Alliance isn't some company across the country. We're across the county. We work, play, and live right here in Marshall County. With programs like Summer Fill, Budget, and Fixed Price, you can choose the program that works best for you. Visit co-alliancepropane.com for more details, including 50 free gallon offers for new and existing customers. Co-Alliance Propane, seriously local. Get your cell phone out and dial 574-936-4096 or text 574-307-6647 and be part of the show. Now let's get back to what's your opinion on WTCA in Plymouth, Indiana. And we are back. Now, if Rusty had been here, there would have been some music or whatever. But No, that was a short break. Good grief. Uh, yeah. You just turned around and said, we're ready. <laughs> uh, Deb H. was our winner. Deb H. So uh, keep listening. Uh, we do. We are going to give away a fifteen dollars pizza bills gift certificate this day, and I have a another single ticket for Just Breathe, and a ticket to the Elks Lodge. So you could have lots dinner. Of give, lots of giveaways. You could today. have dinner tonight. It's Friday and lunch tomorrow. So there you go. It's Friday. Yes. All right. We have a guest in the studio with us this morning. We have Peter Paul who actually works in the assessor's office for Marshall County, but you're also running for county assessor. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> Fortunately, you're not being challenged by anyone. And I will tell you, Kevin said, well, who in their right mind would challenge anybody <laughs> to run for that position? <laughs> well, it is a, a tough job, and um, there's a lot of knowledge that we need to to have to keep promoting good values in Marshall County. So it, it is a tough job, and you know, there aren't a whole lot of people that are qualified or even interested in it. They just, yeah. It, it really cro- requires, too, I mean, it requires a lot of knowledge. You have to and get certifi- certifications, and, and there's levels of certification. The, you guys have continuing education, too. On- absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, um, there are, are three levels of Indiana assessor appraisers. Um, each one requires a different set of testing to, to obtain. Uh, the, the last one, the, the level three, takes about five weeks of courses to, to be qualified even having the classes doesn't necessarily give you all the tools to do the job well. So the, the experience in the office is also super vital to promoting good and accurate values throughout the county. So um, we really wanted you to come in this morning, Peter, to talk a little bit about um, the assessment. I'm sure you're a Facebook reader, and I mean, it's been all over Facebook. Unless- 
Maybe you're smart and you aren't. <laughs> I, I do try to avoid the Facebook. Because... Uh, Kevin does too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's been lots of comments on Facebook about the assessment and how, you know, it, it, it's gone up 40, <laughs> my tax have gone up $40,000. And Do you mind if we back up for a second? Sure. Could you tell us, are you married? Do you, Oh. Oh, yes. Where um, do you live? I, I am married. Um, I, I have four kids, well, three stepchildren and, and my own son. And, you know, currently with my wife, we've got the, the last one at home. He's 15. So we're we're gearing up for him to be ready for the next spots. Freshman in high school, participates in a lot of different things with the school. Um, I live south of Argus on Michigan Road. We, we bought that house about three years ago. Um, you know, when we were looking at buying that home, you know, I was concerned then that we were kind of at the peak of the market because we'd seen about five years <laughs> of, of continual increases in property values. And, you know, I had no inclination that, you know, things would spike in the way they have at that point in time. I don't think anybody really did, especially with COVID in between then. And, uh, um, you know, I mean, we've had some low interest rates and things like that that have helped that along. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm married. I have some children. Did you graduate from Plymouth um, High Argus, School? Argus High School. Argus, Ar- okay. Class of 2000, Argus High School. You know, go Dragons. Woohoo. Um, yeah. <laughs> I knew it. I know his dad. His okay. dad's name is Peter Paul also. Uh-huh. Oh, Peter, yeah. his dad used to work down at the co-op down in Culver where the, back in the day where the Culver Cove sits right now. And then oh, when that my. was closed, he moved up here to the, uh, here on Adams Street. So, yeah. 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 Um, his uncle... Or his uncle, so my great uncle Don managed the one here in Plymouth for a long time. You Don know, Paul, my dad did From, co-op work for. Well, I'm uh, 40 and he retired six or seven years ago, so I know he did at least 30 years with the co-op, and it was yeah. probably more than that. Um, out spraying fields in the spring, sun up to sundown, doing the the hard work and the the labor, laborious things that that goes know, with agriculture. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. it helps build a person. There, you know? There's I mean, a word you don't hear much: laborious. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Pulled that one out of the hat. You, you know, did. That one <laughs> you got your Purdue hat on. I was going to say, did you go to college? Um, I I did go to to college. I went to a couple different colleges till I figured out what I wanted to do. Um, I did go for computer networking to um, oh. ITT Tech in Fort Wayne. Um, I went to Ancilla for political sciences, thinking that was my my calling. And then I did finally get an associate's degree in accounting once I came to my senses and decided, you know, I need to have something I can. I can work with um, so numbers. Yeah, numbers. Oh. You know, they're always there, you know, and they never lie. That's the uh, oh. <laughs> I don't know. That's not what I've heard about yeah. numbers, but figures maybe. lying, liars figure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, okay. Well, thank you for that little uh, promo there. So we'll go back to Kathy's question now. What what's going what, on? Yes. With, what's happening? What's happening? And you can. I tried to explain it, but I'm going to let you explain it better. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, what we have seen happen is that you know certainly property values have have increased, and we are representing that on our assessment notices. So the, how ha- how do you know that they've increased? Um, I guess every property that sells, there's a, a state law that requires a sales disclosure form to be filed with the county assessor. Okay. Um, so we take the information from that sales disclosure form, and we we review and and better understand and analyze that that information from there we have to determine which sales are considered as an arm's length transaction and that's basically trying to identify if it's a an open market sale you know was it listed to the 
to the general public? Did you have enough exposure to the market? Those are the kind of questions we're, we're asking through through that process to identify if that sale is, is representative of the current market conditions. So let's just say I'm going to sell. Did you catch the one thing that he said? I hope people caught the state law. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell my house to my son, and he doesn't have quite enough money. We'll say, so I'm gonna sell my house at a lower price, and then on the side, after five years, we'll say he's gonna pay me the difference. This much money, yeah. Back that would not be an arm length transaction. With those situations, no. But we we would not know all of those things unless they were specified on the form. So just looking at the family relationship would would rise a little extra scrutiny. Um, Once we get those forms, we also mail out questionnaires, and we hope people return those and are truthful on them so that we can – you know, collect some of that information. And also on the sales disclosure form itself, there is a location for folks to to indicate if this was a family transaction um, and then the amount of discount that was given, if any, because that's not okay. always the case. Sometimes, you know, mom and dad sell to the, the son and, you know, they come up with a fair price. You know, they say, hey, this was what it appraised for and this is the sale price. If you want it, it's yours. Other folks, so, they do give Sometimes, yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, and in some time, some cases, probably, basically, give the house away. That that does occur as well. You know, yeah. um, you know, a lot of times you'll see properties placed into a a trust, trust agreement right. or something along those lines, so that you have somebody that's the the executor of that trust or estate, um, and so you don't see a lot of those transactions reported with cash value. Um, so basically what we're, we're trying to consider is only those those market representative, representative transactions through our, our analysis. So let's go out to uh, – I'll just pick a neighborhood. Let's go out to Gulf View Estates, a small little subdivision. Mm-hmm. Out, out on, on State uh, Road 17, 17 across uh, from the – Pretty late golf course. Right. There's probably what, maybe 25, 30 houses out there. Um, maybe somewhere in that vicinity. Uh, maybe a few more because it does kind of, if I'm getting yeah. the right one, curve around on State Road 17 and then down around the inside of the, so the lake there. in yeah. that area, if I sell my house in that area and I'm asking 200000 for the house and and it's on the open market, people are bidding, so I end up getting $250,000. I get 50000 more than what I was asking. So... And that affects the other properties out there then for their because that's how this all starts rolling down the hill um, potentially you know so so we do this this analysis each year so it's referred to as our, our annual trending process so anybody that wants to look it up on the the Indiana website as far as what this process should be there's a lot of of information out there on the the state of Indiana's website but what we're doing with that that sales information is then comparing that with the assessed values of those same parcels that sold because we we did adjust all property values the year before and the year before and the year before so we are in our Trending began around 2006, okay? Um, Indiana first went to market value in the, the 2000 reassessment, which is when I started with the assessor's office. Um, you know, so what we're, we're looking at is, is not just are these properties selling for more, but you know, do we have them assessed appropriately? You know, that's a big consideration. And then how does that compare with that sale price? That is really what's going to, to drive the value changes is that, that comparison. 
if it sells for two hundred and fifty thousand and we're assessed at you know we'll say two hundred and forty eight, that's not going to show us show that, us. that values are are too low. Right. Um, you know, in your example, you may have started asking too low at two hundred thousand, and you know the market straighten itself out through the the bidding process um, but but really the heart of it is that comparison between the the current assessed values and the the sale prices that are being reported um, you know we don't just report that to the taxpayers and we don't just come up with those numbers we also have to to put together a, a an annual sales ratio study that has to be done in a very specific format with specific parameters that then has to be approved by the the Department of Local Government and Finance with the the state of Indiana so there, there's a lot of things that are, are working with us and against us you know we don't have the the ability to ignore the market data that we see and just to say well this is an anomaly this is a strange spike um, when we prepare that analysis we have to have median ratios between a, a certain parameter that gets us to that that market value standard once we get that study approved is then when we, we report to the taxpayers that these are the value changes that are coming from that that analysis and that comparison so that information comes on a blue sheet? That's correct. Yes, ma'am. Okay. I have I have one in front of me just to see. Um, I just got mine here a while back too. Yeah, just in the in the last, last week or so. Yeah, yeah. They, they were scheduled to go into the mail um, last Friday. Okay, so we were expecting a lot of folks to get them over the weekend just to to meet our reporting requirements. The state requires we have those out by by May first to to keep us on a timely schedule and to help promote on-time tax billing. So and that's the, why we're out right now in the middle of tax collection, in the middle of personal property season, um, is state requirements once again are... And there's that word again, the yeah. state. state. Yeah. Well, you know, they some of the things they do are, are, are good intentioned, you know, but... But I think, well, I think I've seen a lot of comments on Facebook and people seem to, uh, I mean, the comments are, uh, the commissioners must have another big project they want to do, so they need more money. That has nothing to do with anything <laughs> that, that we're working through. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, I suppose, you know, we, we are very much independent from any um, decisions on, on taxation or on commissioner or other offices even. You know, we are, are simply just calculating the assessed value as appropriately as we can based on the best information available. So the commissioners don't come to you and say, hey, we've got to this, you know, $2 million that we have to fix this courthouse. They don't come to you and say, hey, we're going to need more money next year. Not in the 20 years that I've been in the <laughs> office have I uh, had any interactions such as that. But okay. I've never come in and asked you that, have I? No. Because I've no. been here a little bit longer than yeah, you have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And none of the commission. I mean, historically, you know, I mean, we can talk about but, any of them. I, we don't see too much from the commissioners. You know, we like to think it's because we are, are staying busy and on task and keeping up with our work. So they don't have to come and scold us or, um, you know, <laughs> tell us anything. You know, I've heard stories over the years where in other counties where assessments come out and people get mad about their assessment, then they run for office. Because oh. they think they can fix it. <laughs> well, you can't. <laughs> so when this blue paper comes in the mail, this really is something that you need to look at. Oh, absolutely. And if you have yes. questions about it or or you think, and and this is for, actually, this is for our, our property that we have out on Muckshaw Road where our transmitters are located. Um, it says the new value 
um, is $103 or $103,500, where the last assessment, it was $99,600. So you increase that. Right. And, you know, as far as as different property classes and different property types, we do do different studies. So, um, you know, when we speak about residential property, we are are split up. Marshall County, we have basically around 270 different identified market areas. Okay, so in those those dividing the county up into those neighborhood areas, we are, are completing studies for each individual area first and foremost. If there is a, a ton of information for one neighborhood versus another, then the adjustments get really pretty straightforward. Um, you know, with the commercial industrial property, we also do studies where we're only considering the commercial and industrial property types. You know, we don't have a, a ton of commercial sales, and especially when we talk about a, a special use property, you know, such as mm-hmm. one that houses radio transmitters, um, you know, the, the adjustments are a little more unique you know we still apply mass appraisal techniques where we are using the appropriate cost and depreciation tables which was something we also had updated this year which is handed down again by the state they they provide us with that um you know and then you know applying similar market characteristic changes across all similar property types so you know a big reason for some of our commercial industrial changes this year was not necessarily because they're selling for more because i haven't observed that specifically, um, you know, or more in relationship to our assessed values, I should say. They are, are more relationship to the, the cost table. So as the cost to construct things goes up, we also get those cost and depreciation tables, which can adjust values even even further from those market changes that we're talking about. Because the, the land assessment went up slightly. It is for the improvements in the structure itself where you got the bigger increase. Right. And again, that's probably very much related to those those cost and depreciation schedules. Um, you know, the, the market analysis comes more in play on, on more of the residential properties. Um, but we are still, you know, taking in the characteristics of that property and trying to, to assign um, – uniform rates okay so one of the the standards that the state puts out there for us is is fair and equitable okay those are a lot of key words so they're saying you know they want us to calculate the fair value as it relates to the 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 market value of the property but then also to be equitable with that information and apply it uniformly across all parcels and that's why we don't just see the the sold parcels changing um you know that's actually referred to as sales chasing and and is very much frowned upon in the the mass appraisal community. It kind of fixes the numbers so that we're not actually calculating market changes. Um, but that, that's that's more specifically about commercial industrial properties with the the cost depreciation tables having some impact. When we do have sufficient information to indicate that those values are are incorrect, we will adjust them up or down to better reflect those those market conditions that are currently in place. Do you remember do you, do back? Do you live in the, and breathe this? <laughs> do, yeah. But, uh, do you remember back in the day though when we used to have a re, the reassessment and people would? I mean, you'd hire a company to come here. Uh, my former sister in law used to do that and go to every house and measure the outside of the house. And, yeah, we had. And they if they couldn't get into the house, they left a tag there it uh, because was, they, it was expensive. Yes. To, to do reassessment back because we had a few companies. Well, we had one in out of Rochester, I think. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, we've had several that we hired and contracted that out, and it was hundreds of thousands, hundreds of thousands yes. of yeah. dollars, probably 
some of it is probably at one time probably somewhere between five hundred and eight hundred thousand dollars that we spent on reassessment. But now, um, we do everything in house currently. They do, yeah. We 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 don't have outside vendors any longer. Um, you know, as our staff has changed a little bit over the years, you know. We had a lot of people that had been there for a good long time. And right. we, we've lost some folks here in, in recent history, which is always saddening um, for differing reasons. People moving on, you know, to, to better, greener pastures, so to, so to speak, um, you know, which is great. We wish them all well and, and hope they have, have great and wonderful experiences going forward. Um, but we were able to take on most of the work that we would have hired out. And then another big change is that the, the state no longer requires um, periodic reassessments in that manner. They have moved to a, a cyclical reassessment plan, which has actually sped up our time frame for, for going through and doing that, but it has also more logically split up the work. So, so each year, as the county, we are required to go through and, and submit a plan, again, to the DLGF. That is kind of our oversight body. Um, and then we are to, uh, sorry, you threw me off, Kevin. <laughs> um, from there, we are, are trying to, to evaluate 25% of all parcels throughout the county each and every okay. year. Okay, so over a four-year period, we do a, a full reassessment. We do have some different tools and resources that we use. You know, instead of paying a, a vendor a lot of money, um, you know, we've been able to to get some partnerships with, I think, MACOG on some uh, aerial floats yeah. that's uh, um, called pictometry, okay? And, and that gives us a, um, a a three-dimensional view of the property, or we can see all four sides. So they uh-huh. fly fly aerial flights and don't just take top-down photos where you can just see the, the roof structure. Um, we can actually rotate all the way around a, a parcel. So as part of that reassessment process or that cyclical review, we're going through and taking a look at those those images. Those, those. So you could like see if <coughs> somebody had a house and a, we'll say, uh, and a shed in the backyard, and they put in a pool, oh, and they don't that. they don't get a building permit to get their pool put in because if they get a building permit, you guys would get notification of that. Absolutely, yes, yes. We but, would get a copy of the permit, and that yeah. that would let us know that we need to go out and and physically inspect because we only have those flights flown. Um, recent schedule's been about every two years. Every you know? two years. Um, so it, it's not a, an annual flight <coughs> that we get to have. It is just, you know, basically that every every two years we're having mm-hmm. those done and then using that that information. So You kind of look pro- then from... Probably next year we'll be doing that. We'll probably be ready for another flight yes, in 2023. Yes, next spring. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they do that. They do that now or maybe a little bit... In the before, early, in before the, the early, leaves be, come before on. Before the leaves come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they try and get that done. Yeah, of course, March, if it keeps yeah. staying cold like this, you may. I keep on seeing people. I'm going to put my Christmas tree back up. Yeah, I mean, and the, the company that we've worked with has been very, very gracious. You know, there was one year when, when oh, it, it got was... warm early and everything bloomed early. Yeah. Well, when they flew their flights, we, we couldn't see. And it was like, well, it... this isn't helpful for us. And they, they reflew the next year at no additional cost. Yeah. Um, we had the year was that 2018 when we had the flooding um you know yeah. I, I do believe they they reflew some of those you know we had the pictures but with all that water all, around some water. of those buildings yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like well what's going on here you know um and i know. think they're out of ohio yes yes uh primarily based i do believe yeah. um or new york I, I think that they had offices maybe in both places yeah. but yeah we and then you partner with macog those... macog pays the bulk because they get because they're grants. well and, and they're they, flying and they're several doing, counties at a time. And they're doing Casiasco, Elkhart, yeah. and St. Joe. 
with us, which so. is our Macog region. So um, sitting on the Macog board, we get a discounted rate. So it doesn't cost us. Right. It's right. pretty. Really, it's pretty cheap. <laughs> yeah, very, you know, as far as comparing, um, we are an office of only eight people, okay? And there are roughly 30,000 parcels in Marshall County. So if you break that up, that's saying that, you know, if we didn't have those those aerial flights, we would have to have more people out in the field more regularly. And with a, a staff of eight, that's it's, it's not super feasible to go out and visit, you know, 7,000, 8,000 parcels mm-hmm. in a year without without being able to review some of these things. Um, and as part of that reassessment, we also send out letters to, to all the people. Oh, I got that. one of those um, recently. I just, I don't know where it is because it, it was asking uh, like some, like really what, what I got was it wanted to know if we'd refinished our basement, basement. if we had an old, ba- old basement or if we had it fixed it up. Yeah. yeah. A new furnace. You know, and-, and from our viewpoint, what we're hoping to do with those questionnaires is to, to confirm the data that we already have. Okay. Um, we're not hoping to find changes. If we do find that we have something incorrect, we definitely want to make it more correct so that we're not trying to, you know, if we don't have the correct characteristics when those properties do sell and that primary comparison is the sale price to assessed value, you know, we're going to see that you know the, the assessed value isn't where it should be. And so if we're not doing a good job of, of collecting the information or, or doing the best job we can, we are going to see properties that are under-assessed then selling, which can impact everybody. Um, you know, and that, that is how the, the long and short game of that all comes to be, is, is that we're, we're trying to get the most accurate characteristics so that we can say most certainly that these are the appropriate adjustments for everybody. What? With the rise in the market, what effect has that had on tax caps? Well, the, the tax caps are, are more of an auditor function. I mean, we, we allocate the specific property values to okay. be on which cap they'll qualify for. Because you know, there's that's, a residential, yeah. ag, and commercial and apartments. C- correct, yes. And that falls into your, your 1%, 2 or 3% Three. tax cap. And those are, are limits on how much tax can be collected from that type of property. Um, a lot of folks have a, a misconception that that's a, a limit on how much the taxes can change, but it is really just a, a limit on how much can be collected from that specific class of property in, in that that parcel you can have all three tax caps applying to a, a single parcel um, but but our role is primarily to identify which cap does that property type belong to Dude. and then we send that to the auditor to apply on the the tax statements um, when you're looking at your your tax bill you'll see some locations on there that will indicate a maximum tax bill um, and then you'll see another spot that works the the traditional calculation where you take the the assessed value less deductions times your tax rate to get to your number um, whichever one of those numbers is less if it's the maximum or the the actual calculation is the actual tax bill amount um, but what we're we're trying to get to is you know how how are these properties assessed? Um, you know, and that's really what our our role in that more more or less is is saying. You know, hey, this is agricultural property. And that we was going to code it specifically. Yeah, that was going to be my yeah. next question. Ag land. Um, sometimes it goes up. Sometimes it goes down. A lot of that is is a lot of that based on sale of property, but also 
the markets? Um, with, with agricultural property, you know, again, we have a, a little bit different standard of assessment for agricultural property. Um, you know, ag land specifically, uh, the state assigns the the agricultural land base rate that we are to use each year. It goes the state again. Um, <laughs> you know, they they apply the same rate for all for each acre of ag land throughout the state. So the last year's rate was $1,290 per acre, and this year is $1,500 per acre as far as our, our base rate goes. Those rates also get adjusted based on soil productivity factors from soil mapping that was done by, I think, in partnership with Purdue. Um, you know, and then we have to apply those rates you know, throughout each acre of agricultural land. Part of that study, though, is related to um you know sale prices cash rent amounts yep. corn yield study that they do and then they they take a running average i think it's a six-year running average and then they those are the numbers so certainly we've seen some some rates where a few years ago they climbed up to about 1900 dollars per acre and then the state went through and and refigured how they came up a new way to come up with that calculation and then that brought it back down to the 1200 range well now we're getting to a point in time where we've seen extended periods of of increased sale prices and increased market activity um, you know as new science comes about and i i'm no professional on on corn yields or anything like that but as new science comes out and you can get more yield per acre that also has a, a factor into what the state sees in that calculation because if you're in the USDA farm program every year you have to report your yields to Plymouth up here where the USDA office is and um, so they all know what you're doing yeah and, and that, <laughs> they all know how much money you're making you know, yeah. and that you know a lot of folks come in I mean I can think of of countless times we've had taxpayers come in and and be questioning you know the the assessment of their parcel which might be a one or two acre property you know a standard residential area and they see the the 40 acre field with a nice house right next to them and they're like why is this not more different you know because they see the 40 acres and they know you know right now eight to ten thousand dollars an acre is what that would sell for and they expect to see you know they hear a say market value and they expect to see that on that neighboring parcel but that is not the, the same standard according to our, our guidelines that we have to follow um, you know so that that's where some of those differences come in as far as how that property is is assessed and then how that might compare with with a neighboring parcel that is used differently um, yeah I'm gonna ask you yeah I'm gonna ask you another question <laughs> Uh, as we know, out west of Marshall County, over in Plasky and Stark, and I know down around the Bur Oak area, out west of Bur Oak, that, you know, there's a 13,000-acre solar farm that's going in over there at Plasky and Stark County. And, you know, there's a company that look is looking at 1,500 acres west of Bur Oak. Um, so... What effect does that have because you're going from, is that going to change that from ag land to a commercial land? Or I know we're not there yet, but I know it's probably going to, it's going to be a question that's going to be asked sometime, especially on the property owners, because like I said, you're going from ag to something different. Um, very recently, you know, the, the state has come up with some new guidelines for those solar farm projects as they are, are are taking off in different parts of the state. Um, what's the one in Pulaski? Is that going to be the Mammoth? Is that what it's going to be called? The yeah, Mammoth I think Solar so. Project. I mean, it's a, a huge <laughs> I think project. It, it's 
Um, backed by Israel, I think. I, I've heard different things. I don't know any of the specifics on it. Um, but the state has given us land rates that we should apply to, to the land that is used for the solar farm. Um, they split the state up into, I think, three different regions, and they had different rates for each region. So, you know, as you were down in the, the southern region, they had one rate, and the central region and the northern region. I don't know specifically what those rates are off the top of my head. We don't have too many of those those projects going on here currently. <laughs> um, you know, th- there was a small solar farm put in or going in north of Bremen there right off of US-6. There's a uh, Indiana Municipal Power Agency has one down in, in Green Township. Um, you know, but they're very much smaller. They're not thousands of acres, acres by any. Yeah, yeah. So we do have specific rates that, that were just come up with. Um, you know, so it's very, very new to us, but they were, were issuing those with the anticipation that, you know, what are counties going to call these things? They're, they aren't your, your primary commercial sites, but they're not agricultural land either. Um, so you know, you're going to go to ag land at $1,500 assessed now or going to be assessed, and you're probably going to go up. I would guess higher than that. Uh, it is higher than that. Yes. Yeah. Um, again, I don't, I don't have the specific memo, Right here, and, and to be honest, we haven't. You weren't expecting me here anyway. You no, know, I, I, <laughs> that wasn't anything I prepared for, as far as you know, the the brand new solar yeah. land rates. But but that is something that the the state is working to to catch up on. You know, we we saw this recently with some new guidance that we got on on solar panels. You know, if you drive through, you know, many areas of the county. Um, you know, a lot of the, the Amish community now, you can drive by their homes and see solar panels everywhere. Um, we didn't have good and, and accurate ways to collect the, the values on those items. Um, the state also allows a deduction for solar-powered devices. Right. So as you put the solar panels on your home, you can file for that deduction, which is equal to the assessment on those, those same items. Um, you know, but we didn't have great tools to to get there and they gave us some new guidance on on solar panels themselves you know personal ones for people's homes um so it's just how we've been you know so i guess if i was of course i don't have any ground in that they're looking at because i only got 13 acres but i would think if i'm talking to somebody that wants to put a solar farm and i have four or five hundred acres i'm going to do that and i would want to make sure that in my contract that if the assessment goes from 1500 to $2,500 an acre, I would want to make sure that the solar company is paying that and not me. <laughs> I, I, I would think that would be very prudent. Um, you know, and, and we've dealt with similar issues. Um, many years now we have a lot of folks that will come in and they will um, say they have a cell tower that sits on their property you know and and that gets valued a little bit differently as it's as it's used so we end up with some commercial land pricing in the middle of this agricultural field and a lot of them have a very similar agreement to what you just referred where they are are the the company that owns the tower is responsible for the the taxes taxes that go with it and so folks come in and they ask us you know well how do i split this bill and we help them to the best that we can come up with a, a fair estimate to turn into that company. So in, in that instance with solar farms, you know, it's not a, a primary responsibility that we have, but we do want to help to serve our taxpayers as best we can. So you brought up a, a word, uh, Amish. <laughs> they, they, they pay, do they, 
they pay property tax? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yes, 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 sir. Um, just like everybody just else. Like just everybody like else. everybody else, you know. And again, we're trying to get to the the market value on their properties, and, and that can be impacted in in different ways. You know, certainly if you don't have. Um, you know, electricity run through your home or you don't have running water, which I don't know is as prevalent as it used, used to, be to be in those communities. You know, they're not as, as strict or rigid from my viewpoint yeah. um, as what they, they may have been at one time. But, yes, they, they do get billed and taxed just like everybody else. You know, each acre of their farm ground is assessed the same as, okay. as anybody I, else. I, I just you wanted know. I just wanted you to I just wanted to bring that up. So it's you, you clarify it that. They are being, they are paying property tax, yeah. and many of them have commercial operations sure. on their property, so they're taxed the same way for that commercial operation that they have going. Absolutely, and, and those are some of the the tougher parcels that we have to identify. Is you know, and and what is your commercial operation? Do you have a a large industrial building that you're manufacturing things out of, or do you have a a small woodworking shop in the corner of a pole barn? You know, those are questions that we have to answer on on how it is currently used but also what type of structure is that you know is it ideal for that that use um, there are very different types of pricing that can apply to to parcels so a lot of it's going to have to do with you know how much of a shop do you have um, you know what kind of building is it and then you know how does that relate to again the the market value of that type of property um yeah, so so they they get tricky and it's a, a case by case basis. I have seen some where they have have built those large industrial style buildings, you know, steel framing, um, you know, metal sided, huge overhead doors, um, and we've been out to other properties where you know the, the gentleman or the the woman has a a very small operation and they're making rocking chairs out of the back of their barn. Um, you know, it takes a lathe and some sandpaper to get you where you want to go. And uh, um, so so taking into consideration what type of operation they have, um, it's the same consideration we would give to to any other taxpayer. We don't treat anybody any differently. We're trying to be, again, the, the key words here are, are fair and equitable. So as we review information from that area, we're applying uniform changes, you know, throughout the that, that population of parcels. So, I, I mean, you do do some, like, knock and looks where oh, you actually, somebody goes out there physically does ask to come and look at the property. Yes. Um, you know, beginning with, you know, new construction. So as we get copies of the permits that you referenced earlier, um, we go out to every parcel that has a permit. You know, we don't have aerials being flown three or four times a year where we can see changes. So as those permits come in, we are, are going out, you know, Two, three times, some in cases, in some cases, to each property to to verify the completion of those structures um, through our cyclical review. You know, as I said, we had some parcels where you you can't see. You know, even if there aren't any leaves, there's enough branch cover to keep you mm -hmm. from getting a clear image. And if we're looking at the property and we're like, you know, I can't really tell, we will flag that one to go out for a, a field review. You know, so we can go out and and physically see and confirm some of those those changes. And it may be measuring buildings oh, or like. If you and added you can, a deck, you can see the demand. You you have a calculator on that pictometry that you can measure that sure? building from your computer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there there have been times when we've we've looked at the information we have and looked on pictometry and says, you know, that doesn't look like a twenty four foot wall. And you drop your line across there, and it measures out to thirty two feet. Um, 
you know, we, we do make those changes because if it's if it was incorrect, that doesn't mean it gets to stay incorrect. Um, we're just trying to <laughs> to keep a a accurate summary of the improvements there. Um, you know, most folks, if they come in and they question some of those changes, you know, we we explain to them. Some of them are are happy. You know that we, we found the change, and they're they're happy for the explanation. I'm guessing um, most of them are not happy. I think you'd be surprised at the number of people that that you know want to shake our hands and say thank you for the the explanation and the service that we were able to yeah. give them. And I think um, that's that's you know I know Debbie Dunning and all of your office staff up there they treat the public with respect, and they you guys help people out too. Just like it, it's a complicated issue and i think once people once you explain it to people they're not so irritated yes yes and, <laughs> and you know i mean giving folks a chance to be heard is is you know i i think of, of utmost importance to to the taxpayers to, to helping to get them to that level of understanding that they need um you know to to better follow along with the process um you know, I mean, just with these Form 11s, we've been busy all week. We expected to be busy with folks with questions, as they should have. They should have questions about why did my property value change, and if you, you don't know, you, you should come looking for those answers. And you should be able to get a modestly clear answer on, on specifically what changed. Um, you know, some of it is clear as mud, and I'm not going to lie about that. That's no no mistake. It's a, a complicated process, and there are a lot of moving pieces. Um but we do try to explain in, in the best terms we can, you know, properties are selling for more, cost tables have changed, you know, agricultural land rates have been adjusted, you know, letting them know, hey, these are the different pieces. Um, the next question that everybody comes up with is, you know, well, how is that going to impact my taxes? Um, you know, unfortunately, at this point in time, we, we just don't know that. You know, the taxes are much more a product of the, the budgetary process that all the communities will go through. Um, you know, as all property values change, you know, you're, you're basically segregating out that, that individual's portion of that, that tax base. And so, you know, I have seen property values decrease and then their taxes go up. And I have seen property values increase and their taxes go down. Um, you know, I, I we just don't know the answers to that until you know budget time, and then you know see what gets approved there. So that's the the next question that everybody comes up with. Before I go, I got to run, but I'm gonna go down another rabbit hole with you. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know in the past you there was a lot of uh, I'll just Peter Boa, the Peter Boa board. Is it still in existence? Because I know previous in previous years. Peter Boa was very busy on people appealing their taxes, and I haven't heard the Peter Boa board yeah. come up very much anymore. Yeah. Is that because um, the reason? Well, what, what and, is the reason? And, and the rules are still the same for any individual that that they files can appeal. An appeal. They can appeal the the parcel. Um, the first step of that appeal process is that the the county is required to. Um, go through and hold an informal hearing. So we want to reach out to that taxpayer first and foremost and, and go over their, their issues to see, you know, is there something that needs corrected? Do we have something that you missed or something that, that was there, but is no longer there. Correct. Yes. Um, and so we, we hope that we can, you know, that either the taxpayer submits some compelling information for us that we're like, yeah, we were, we were wrong and we want to make the appropriate adjustments 
or the other way that we can show them where we're coming from and, and then they'll withdraw. You know, I want to say last year, I would say probably half the appeals we had filed were, were withdrawals because once they dove in and started doing some, some research into the, the market changes, they were like, yeah, no, I think I would sell my home for that. Or <laughs> they come to the conclusion that I'd sell my home for more than that. And we're like, Exactly. Um, you know, and, and the ones that we can't come to an agreement on are the ones that get scheduled for, for the PETA BOA hearings. Um, you know, we do still have a board. It's a three-member board. Um, you know, different people with experience levels in, in our assessment field. Um, one person used to work for a vendor for a, a company that we used to have that did some of our reassessment work. She's got a lot of experience. Another gentleman. Phyllis. Yeah. Phil. You know, Phil Olinger. Yeah. yeah. Um, another one used to work for the, the state department of local government and finance. And actually years ago, he wrote the, the property assessment guideline. So again, a lot of wow. knowledge there that goes into you know, their determinations. Yeah. Um, but we don't have as many appeals as we we used to i think a lot of the appeals came from down at lake max and cucky yeah yeah um, <laughs> you know and, and many many um and and many of those that peter boa didn't agree with they would go down to the state that, and there was a, an appeal process downstate yes. that they would go because they weren't happy yeah and that that is every every taxpayer's right you know as the the rules and processes have changed you know and we've gotten better about collecting the pertinent information for defending those appeals you know i mean that's a part of of being in the office and gaining that that experience is 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 being able to more adequately explain some of these things so they don't get to that level um Peter Boa is very time consuming you know um we're paid the same rate whether we're working on PETA-BOA or cyclical review. You know, I mean, there's not variable hourly rates for what we're working on. And so if we're not working on calculating good values and we're spending significant time defending old values, well, we're, we're shortchanging the future as well. Peter, um, you got my vote. Yeah. Well, thank you, Kevin. Thank you. <laughs> Kevin uh, has to leave. He's thank got you. another appointment. But yep. thank you for filling in today. Well, I got you to 1030. You did. All right. Um, Peter, there's another thing that you and I talked about on the phone, um, and that has to do with deductions. And your office doesn't actually handle deductions. Not not in mass. Um, there there are some deductions that we do calculate, as I referenced the the solar powered device deduction. Okay. Um, there is a geothermal powered or geothermal heating and cooling device deduction. We we do calculate the values of those items and submit those to the auditor. Um, but when we talk about homestead or homestead supplemental or mortgage or age or any of those other ones that would would come up, those are primarily handled through the the county auditor's office. They're good and wonderful people down there. There as well and and certainly are are available to answer questions for folks um i can't tell you the number of times i've recommended somebody just to go speak with them to 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 ensure they have all the appropriate deductions um you know and and simply you know because you didn't qualify in one year doesn't mean that you no longer qualify i was just talking to my my own father the other night um he called me wanting to know what what why his tax bill changed you know and so <laughs> we we talked about it and um you know, I asked him, I said, well, you don't have an age deduction. He says, no, they told me I didn't qualify. I said, well, when was that? You know, and he said, well, that was a few years ago. I was like, well, have things changed since then? Well, yeah, I don't make as much money. 
That's okay. why you didn't qualify. Maybe before, you need you to know. check that. Yes, maybe you need to follow up and, and refile for that. So, you know, some of those things can help limit an individual's tax liability. And, and specifically when we say, you know, the, the age deduction um, or a veterans or anything like that, it, it can mean the difference between having taxes that are affordable for that, that fixed income individual or couple Um you know, it, it could be the difference between, you know, being able to afford staying in their home and, and not being able to. And, and that is why those deductions are available. Um, you know, but for the best, most complete information on that, I would encourage anybody to to reach out to the county auditor's office and to, to just ensure that they have the deductions that they filed for. Um, on everybody's tax bill, there's a little summary section on the informational statement of that, that TS-1. Um, and down there, it'll label out the deductions that you've had and show the value of those deductions from one year to the next. So you can kind of see what you currently have and then, you know, move from there. You know, if it looks like you're, you're a 40-year-old gentleman, you have your home, you own it, you know, there's, there's not a ton of deductions out there for right. you. You're going to get your homestead, your supplemental. If you have a, a mortgage, you may qualify for your mortgage deduction. Um, but as, as folks, you know, grow a little bit older, they may qualify for additional things. Or if they've had time in the service, there may be some, something that you might, apply, might qualify for that maybe you didn't at one time. Um, I know um, on the on the sixty five plus one, um, if you actually go to the state's website, um, the application is there, and the instructions and qualifications are listed there too. Um, and so I I did print them out just to see. So you have to be over sixty five, and this is where it it makes the determination. It, it goes on your adjusted gross income from the calendar year preceding by two years of that calendar year. So, um, and, and the limitation is $30,000 for an individual or $40,000 for a, a couple. So right there's your first little check. Basically, if you're a 65, okay, that's pretty simple to figure out. But then, then you, then it looks at your taxes and it looks at your back taxes. Yeah. And I think that there's also probably a something in there for, for property value limitations. Yes. You, your um, property can't be valued more than $200,000. Yes, and you know, just if you meet those qualifications, you you can qualify for that deduction, and then that will get added with the the other deductions you would have. So if you had your your homestead deduction, and that's got a a set maximum value of forty five thousand, and then you've got a supplemental that that has another percentage of the remainder value, and then the the the, the age deduction. Um, you know, I have seen parcels that have tax bills, you know, under ten dollars for the year. Because, you know, it's a, a a modest home that, that an elderly couple downsized their 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 forever home, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, they downsized as everybody left the house and they needed something smaller that was easier to maintain, um, less value in those types of buildings and structures. And so when you take away those deduction values, they, they do get much, much cheaper as far as their, their taxes go. Um, to, to help it remain affordable for that that person who's who's collecting their social security income as their primary source of revenue, um, you know, helps to just protect people's property. You know, well, and as people get older, um, some of them do come disabled, and so there is a, a deduction for that piece too. So, yep, um, you really need to go to the auditor's yep. office. I mean, if you have computer access, check it that way. Um, but then you can go to the auditor's office, and they they can help you too. Absolutely, they are the the 
the, the professionals when it comes to that. They, they are the ones that are the responsible parties to, to collect and apply that information. Um, you know, sometimes we're talking to somebody in our office at the front counter and, and we, we start getting into some of those avenues with their questions and we almost always exclusively, you know, want them to go down to the, the office that can actually apply it. Because just because us in the assessor's office are looking at it and saying, you should qualify, we, we aren't the, the department that can approve or deny that deduction. So, you know, we always want to make sure people get to the people that can give the, the best answer, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that they're not coming back and saying, well, you told us wrong. We, we don't want anybody to feel like right. we misled them or or anything like that. We just want them to get the best information they can. And so that would be with the, the county auditor's department. Um, yeah. So check it out if you think you might qualify for one of those. Um, before I let you go, you know, we were talking about, you know, sales of property. And so I got to thinking here in Plymouth, there is a nutmeg road. There is a very lovely subdivision nutmeg meadows which those homes in there are probably in the well initially i would have said the two to five thousand hundred five hundred thousand dollar range but they're probably closer to the three hundred thousand to maybe even seven hundred thousand dollar range in there and we we don't see a lot of the homes in that area sell but but that is an uh, example of a a separately identified market area because Uh, like right across the street um you would have that the older section poplar street in there i mean it's across the street those are little like old little national homes and stuff and they've seen some improvement in there there have been you know as the the school was put right there's that that, it's not river so menominee school got moved out there Mm -hmm. um and they've been building some houses in that that there's a brand new subdivision i mean that that newer subdivision is actually growing right now. Right, right. Um, so that has an impact. I mean, would you group, typically group, looking at that nutmeg area, um, would you group those big expensive homes in with the, the... The big expensive ones are generally on on multi-acre parcels, okay? Um, so we're going to develop some different land rates to apply as far as an acreage basis, just based on the, the size of that property, Um the, the ones that are being platted out and, and constructed new are on much smaller lots. So you end up with uh, differing. It's referred to as a land-to-building ratio, um, and they're newer. So they, they are kind of split off into their – not kind of. They are split into their own market areas. Um, you know, We do look at, at everything individually, and then we do look at all these things together as well so we can see, you know, because certainly if – if this particular area was going up considerably and um, the sales information for a neighboring area was sparse, you know, do we believe that those those conditions didn't apply further along than in this single group of homes? Okay. Um, so that they are ideally, you know, we would have plenty of sales in every single neighborhood every single year, and that would point us in those right directions. But we do take a look at the historical data. We do try to study like-type properties together and, and differing properties separately. Um, and that, that Nutmeg Meadows area, you're right, it's a, a very wonderful area, nice, large homes on, on big, sprawling par- parcels, mm-hmm. um, you know, lots to be desirable out there with. Um, what we have seen and something that I, I think I've observed has been that 
even though we've seen a lot of market appreciation and we've seen a lot of property values going up, um, those, those higher end properties didn't seem to increase at the same rate. You know, it was kind of, we, we still got to that same breaking point of affordability for a lot of folks. Um, with the lower lower interest rates and the the low supply of houses on the the market we've been seeing those those entry level buyers where you know somebody might have been thinking a few years ago I can get into the real estate market and own a house for 75 or 80,000 right. dollars it's 130 or 140 now um you know and it used to be it took a long time to realize that amount of appreciation in your Correct. home. And what's different right now is that we've we've just seen it so sudden and so impactful so quickly. Um, you know, but, but we do try to study those differently, I guess, to answer that question when the data presents itself as, as applicable. So, you know, they are separate market areas, in, in my opinion, okay. from what I can review. Uh, it might change going into the future. I don't see it that way currently but you know again i try to follow the numbers as as honestly as i can and if the numbers start to say you know these homes in this area are worth four hundred thousand dollars and the homes on nutmeg meadows are worth four hundred thousand dollars we might need to reevaluate that that boundary for that neighborhood area um, and also where those new ones are going you know you you referenced right. there were some older homes right there mm-hmm. in that that area right off uh, oak hill drive right um Freeman Street and and some of those other smaller right in areas, there. yeah, that older and, subdivision. Right and, there. and like you say, you drive through, and, and they are they are older kit style homes, you know, national homes or or some mm-hmm. of the other, you know, Sears had homes, you know, true. People yeah. could order them; they drop off all the supplies you need, and you know, you needed to go buy a hammer, you know, <laughs> uh, you know. So when we have those, and then you have new construction right there, there with those, um, one of two things generally happens is you see that that older area get gentrified through some some new construction or some remodeling to bring the homes up to standard, or they they let them continue to to be those older homes, um, you know, and that's really where that market comparison comes in as well as we see new construction in older neighborhoods is you know. How does this impact the the value, not just of the new homes, because those are going to be built and they're going to sell and we're going to have good market information. But we need to be very careful not to relate the the information for the brand new dwelling that needs nothing done to it because it is all brand new with the the older home that, you know, hey, we put a roof on 10 years ago. The the mechanicals and the HVAC system were put in in 1988, um, you know, and we're looking at making those those updates and those upgrades. So, you know, it gets to be very tricky with an area very specifically like that because of the the difference in ages and then the the stylings. Um, You know, right now, if you were going to go look at, at buying countertop, you know, nobody wants the, the wood grain <laughs> countertop that looks like a bowling alley. Um, you know, most homes were built with that long ago. Um, like you know. the Formica stuff, you yes. know, they're all, they're all, everybody's going to, you know, granite and hard stone stuff. And, and they and, do make yes. some of the Formica that has some of those same patterns. It's just, you know, it doesn't look that way. Uh-huh. And so, you know, I know my home has those countertops I just described that look like a bowling alley. And that was built in 1997. So it was still very popular then. My parents' home was built in 1977. So 20 years earlier, same exact countertop. <laughs> um, you know, so it's just a matter of, of how times have changed. And everybody wants to see that that marbled or that granite look. Uh-huh. And you can do that with, with granite or you can do that with, um, or not with granite, with formica um, or 
plastic or, you know, they make shoot but the, lots of different things to, to update those looks. But we're trying to find, you know, what is actually in there is, is most helpful for us. And uh, Yeah, because if you're thinking that they they have some granite countertops all over the place or whatever, um, and in reality, they all have Formica stuff going on. Yeah. It makes a difference in the value of the home. Yes. Um, you know, for, for each home, we assign what's called a, a quality grade, okay? And that quality is, is basically to, to make up the the stylings and components of the home. Um, so as we talk about quality grades, we're, we're, we're looking at, you know, what are the components in there? I, anybody that shop for countertops knows you can you can get the, the Formica ones that look nice for a lot cheaper than you can buy the, the granite or the Corian or the quartz, mm-hmm. um, you know, and flooring, you know, you can, oh, yeah, you, you can buy, you know, laminate Laminates. flooring that looks like it's the, the high end, you know, wood, wood stuff. floor, or you can buy some um, vinyl oh, flooring. Engineered yeah. flooring, that's or you out there. can buy the actual hardwood, yeah. and they all have different costs. Well, all of those things should play into the the quality grade to promote the differences between different homes. You know, because certainly the one that's got the 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 granite countertops and the cherry wood cabinets and the um, inset recess sink and the the brand new flooring is going to sell for more than the guy that came in and. And put in the Formica countertops that look newer and came in and, and it's like roll, the, yeah. con- the construction grade cabinets yes. versus, you know, custom, the, the custom yes. ones that you somebody wants to yeah. order. That were made by for. the Amish guy in yeah, a small shop. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, so so that is where we try to to indicate the differences between parcels that are, are different types and different different stylings and uh, different types of finishes on the inside it comes in that that quality grade and that that condition rating which is you know again just trying to represent what are the components that make up this dwelling um you know a few years ago they started big and with the 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 pex plumbing and the tankless water heaters you know oh that mm-hmm. was a, a hot thing for mm-hmm. a little while um sounds great you never run out of hot water you know but there are a lot of folks that still have your traditional big old hot know, water yeah, tank in the basement yeah yep. 40 or 50 gallon tank that takes up a good amount of space and so it's you know trying to to figure out you know what is the the difference that the market recognizes for those those items and again you know it comes down to we don't have a specific option for different pricing for those things so it comes comes down to that that quality grade that we can observe and and how we can apply that most appropriately to to the information we find about these parcels. So if somebody has a concern about basically about the blue paper they got in mm-hmm. the mail because this is where you're getting your assessed value which basically is saying next year when your tax bill comes out it's going to be based on this this blue sheet. So if you have questions and think, oh my gosh, I mean, this is the blue sheets actually saying this is about what you should be able to sell for. That that's what we're we're definitely hoping, and that is what the information has pointed us towards. Um, but if you think, whoa, that's way low, or whoa, that's way high, we, you can go and and get a you know get some help in figuring out how that was determined. Absolutely. And, and that is a, a big part of what we're doing at this time of year is, is talking with folks and trying to, to explain to them, you know, how did these changes come to be? You know, a lot of the things we discussed here today, you know, are, are changing these, these values. Um, 
all of the taxpayers are, are always welcomed to come in and ask any questions. You know, we're, we're not trying to, to hide any information or, or shy away from providing them with something. We are, are trying to be, be open and transparent about what we're seeing. Um, there is an appeal time period, as, as we talked about earlier. That goes on until June 15th of this year. Okay, so individuals will have that, that time period to, to initiate the process. Um, as part of that, you know, for, for success in the appeal setting, what we hope for is that the taxpayer will also have some, some market information to, to point us towards. You know, okay, you would disagree with the assessed value. Right. I know what I've seen when I review the information. You know, tell me what you're seeing. Tell me why you don't think you could sell mm-hmm. it for that. And then we want to work through that information through that appeals process to to hopefully better represent the the overall parcel characteristics and get a more appropriate value if one is is deemed necessary. Um, where Kevin mentioned the the Peter Boa hearings, those are the ones where you know we see things from our viewpoint and we feel like we have a a good amount of data to say that this is what that property value should be and the taxpayer doesn't agree with that and and we don't agree with their information that's where that that third party PETA BOA board comes in to kind of arbitrate that situation Mm -hmm. um, to to review everybody's information and evidence and to say you know hey we agree with the taxpayer or we agree with the assessor or they can say you know everybody's got good points and and we, we are going to say that we want the value to be you know, somewhere in between. Sure. Um, you know, which are all very possible res- resolutions to those those appeal settings. Um, you know, but primarily what we want to do is is work with the taxpayer. There are some folks that will come in and and we've seen a listing. You know, and we've seen some photos, and you know, we estimated some some information based on what we found there. And you know, say they had six hundred square feet of basement finish, and and in the listing it referenced a thousand square feet. And we made the change based on that data that we found. And we would want to do, say, an interior inspection to go out and confirm the data because, you know, we had it one way and that was wrong. And then we changed it and that's wrong. So we want to, you know, definitely make sure. We need to go and see what it really is. Yeah, and we want to get it right through that that appeals process. And so, you know, we would want to schedule a, you know, a, a conference, you know, possibly go to somebody's home see what they're talking about, see what the problems are. Um, Some folks are are very welcoming, you know, and saying, yes, come out, take a look. You know, through that process, though, again, we're trying to make the assessment as correct as we can. And and this isn't to scare anybody off from filing the appeals, but, you know, if we go out there and and say you, you poured a new concrete patio that we didn't know about and it wasn't in the aerials and we go out and we see it, well, the appeal you're asking us to make the assessment correct, and so we're we're going to try and make those changes, whether they're good or bad, you know. And we just want folks to be be informed about what they're asking us for through that appeal process. And they they're asking us to make the assessment correct. Part of that is the physical characteristics being represented accurately. So, um, you know, most of the time we're going out looking for specific things, but we do want to make sure that we get everything like i said as correct as possible through that uh, that appeals process which again is open until june 15th the state requires we hold open a a 45 day window Um, we actually hold open a little bit longer window based on the time when we file the forms and so 
Again, some new rules have come into play here. We we have to have those forms out by May 1st each year. Uh, we used to wait until a little bit later in the, the summer so that we weren't confusing <laughs> taxpayers with tax with bills. With tax bill, yes, you exactly. Know, because that's last year's value, not this year's. Right. And so, you know, that's not an option for us any longer based on the, the new timeline that the state says we need to follow. Um, the alternative is that if we don't have those forms out by May 1st, then, then taxpayers could have until next year, June 15th. So their tax bill would essentially serve as their notice. Well, with the process we follow now, we get a chance to to work through any issues taxpayers before have. Before tax yes. bills go out. Yes, before they ever get billed yeah. on an, an incorrect amount. And so, you know, it, it keeps things moving a little more smoothly. It helps us keep our staffing at a, the same level we've been at because if we were working through those things, certainly we would be well behind where we need to be yeah. and it would be much more of a hardship to to continue the the high level of quality that I feel we we've been able to put into place. Um uh, uh, another question I was just thinking about and I don't know this where it goes but you purchase a manufactured home and you place it um either in a park where you're renting space or I'll say um your daughter has 10 acres and you and you sit it out on their property and you don't have to pay your daughter any money for it. Do, is there a tax bill for that? Yes, there there, there would be. Um, you know, when we talk about mobile and manufactured housing, mm-hmm. when those come off the line, they are technically titled vehicles and that's what allows them to be pulled down the road. So, if you were to say, you know, set that that manufactured housing into a a park and it sat on skids with runners and it had a metal frame underneath of it, that is referred to as a personal property or an annually assessed mobile home. Um the time period for us to assess and tax those is a little bit different and the guidelines we are to use we are to use a a nada so the dealer's book guide for that that hmm, i mean because okay. it is a a registered manufactured vehicle just kind of like the blue book for cars basically but this yes. is a different book for mobile homes. And, and we did see some changes in the the nada guidelines well last year primarily is where they they first took place um, that changed the values on a lot of these these types of structures um you know Again, following along with what things are selling for, it does take, you know, things start selling high and then the guidelines get revised to to match those. So I, I do believe that the the prices were higher a little bit before we were able to to recognize that. But that is kind of the nature of our work. We're, we're working to evaluate what has happened and not what will happen. Um, so with those, we would go out and, and we send out a different notice at a different time of the year. Those come out in January. Um, it's called a Form 2 notice to let somebody know what the value on that mobile or manufactured home would be. And then it is, is taxed actually in the same year as what that property is assessed. Um, you know, in the instance where you reference putting it on a, a rural parcel, um, you know, Hopefully, the individuals would get the the correct permits and they would have the correct information to know if they could tie into that septic or, you know, how are you going to get your well supply? So there's going to be a lot more permitting that goes along with those items. And then you're you're notified on that stuff. Yes. And then the, the next avenue for us is, you know how was that structure placed on the property? Because they, they have again, revised some of our guidelines. Um, we are to assess a, a mobile or manufactured home that is is just placed on a property. So again, on runners or anything like that as the, the annual assessed. If the owner of that property were to go 
and, and retire the title. That basically means it is no longer a title vehicle. It is fixed to this location. It can, there will never be a permit issued by the, the BMV to, to move that mobile home or that, that modular or manufactured or however you want to term it. Um, so then that becomes a real property improvement, which would be assessed on your, your blue paper. Um, also, if they were to place that home on a, a foundation that lies within or is deeper than the frost line for the mm. area where it was placed, then that also becomes a, a real property fixture as opposed to a personal property item. Um, you know, it, it, the, the guidelines for real property are a little bit different from personal. As I said, we use the, the NADA guidelines for those those personal property homes, and we use our, our DLGF-approved guidelines for, for real property improvements. Um, so it all depends on what the, the situation warrants for, for that well, specific and then, home. Um, sometimes they like, oh, I, I need a nice big porch on the front, and, oh, I have the sliding glass doors off my kitchen so I could have a porch, a, a deck on the back. And, and, oh, well, the one on the front, they're, I'd like to have a cover over it. So if somebody comes to knock on the door and it's raining, that there, there's, yeah, then that yeah. changes a- absolutely uh, and you know, adds on to the cost. You know, and all of those items would have specific pricing lines from mm-hmm. our, our guidelines. And so, you know, if you put on a, a 10 by 18 deck on the, the back and you, you came out and you put on a 8 by 10 canopy to keep people out of the rain and you added on a, a garage or a carport, yes, all of those items okay. would be, be added to the, the assessment. And again, you know, depending on the, the situation with that property, um, we're going to be trying to get to, you know, how much would this location sell for? Um, I don't know if you've seen any of the, the newer um, mobile or modular homes, but holy cow, are they pretty amazing. I yeah. mean, you know, thinking back in everybody's heads, everybody remembers, you know, what they look like in the, the 90s and before. Um, and, and it is a very different world right now with what they're they're producing and, and turning out of some of these factories. Um, you know, you're getting the high-end finishes. You're getting cathedral ceilings. You're, you're getting homes that are you know, can be built in a fraction of the time and be placed and ready to move in much more quickly. And, you know, oftentimes they are as strong or even stronger than homes mm-hmm. that are built on site. I mean, think about it this way. They have to build the home, put it on a trailer. And move it, it down, down the, the road. road at 55 miles an <laughs> yeah, hour or yeah. whatever. And yeah. they cruise down the highway. Yeah. They're not going slow, you know. And then pick it up on a crane, set it on a foundation. So it has to be pretty um, strong. <laughs> you know, so... We, we do understand that there is a difference between site-built and factory-built and try to relate that. Again, the quality grade is, is one of the, the key avenues. Um, but you can definitely see differences when you, you talk about what everybody thinks of when you say mobile or manufactured home and then, you know, what they were and what they, what they are. are. They have definitely um, improved. You know, the, when we bought our home, the, the lady that we bought from, she moved into the the trailer park in Argus there, which mm-hmm. has seen a lot of new homes brought in, cleaned up tremendously. Um, you know, and she did let us see the inside of her home. And when we saw it, it was like, well, you upgraded, you know, and she moved <laughs> to a trailer. She moved from a, yes. a stick-built house on two acres yeah. of land to a trailer. And it's like, well, this is This nice. is beautiful, you yeah. Know? And she's not going to have upkeep. She's not going to have maintenance. And, and it it looked very modern when you were inside you didn't even know you know um, that you were in a trailer because it looked just like a a modern home Um, albeit smaller but very very nice overall and that's where we're seeing you know some of these homes are you know 
people think, oh, I bought a trailer, and you know, years ago you could have bought a trailer for thirty or forty thousand dollars. <laughs> the new yeah. one off the factory is a hundred, hundred and twenty. You yeah. know, um, it's just how things have changed, how how market tastes have changed, and and what people are are wanting. You know, that's what those folks are in business for is to figure out what do the consumers want and how can we how can we get that to them. Um, you know, and I think there's been a big void filled there just in the the quality of what's being produced. No doubt there's probably still low-quality manufactured housing. Um, but those aren't the ones that most people are, are eyeballing when they're saying, I'm going to build a new modular property or a new modular home on my parcel. They're eyeballing, you know, hey, look, I can get all these really nice finishes and this really nice floor plan and be good to go. Look at the time. Yeah, yeah, 11 o'clock. <laughs> it's almost 11 o'clock. I've got to let you go. Okay, well, thank but you. But I really appreciate you coming in, and I, I would encourage people who are concerned, don't post your concerns on Facebook. Get off of your duff and contact the assessor's office and make an appointment or... or I mean, do they make an appointment to come um, and see you guys? Some people do call to see if there's okay. one time that's better than another. Um Right now, we are, are quite busy all the time, so I would say your best bet is just to stop in. Um, most folks don't have too long of a wait if everybody's taken up. Like I said, we do have eight people in the office, and, and we're all um, competent to mm-hmm. talk to, to anybody and, and trying to help you figure out what the issues are. If the person you're talking to doesn't know, you know, they'll... They'll get somebody who they'll, does. They'll come see me or they'll yeah. go get Debbie or, you know, uh, somebody else that might have been there a little bit longer. They'll come get them for a little bit of assistance just because we want to get the appropriate messaging to the taxpayers. We want to let them know factual and truthful information, um, you know, and, and we also want them to be fully informed of their, their rights and what they can do if they, they very much disagree with the, the overall valuations. Um but yeah, no, certainly anytime we're there Monday through Friday, um, the county building will be closed on, on May 3rd for election day, um, Memorial day. Other than that, you know, there eight will be to four. eight to four. We'll be there and, and we'll be smiling and, and waiting to, to talk to you, um, and hopefully provide you with some, some appropriate and fair guidance. So, um, Hey, I thank you very much for, for giving me the chance to come oh. on here and, um, to, to discuss some of these things that, that most people don't stay informed on. Um, if I didn't work for the assessor's office for 20 years, sure. I, I wouldn't stay informed <laughs> on it because it is kind of boring and drab stuff. But it is important and it does work towards, you know, calculating fair and equal values for everybody. I want to thank you, Peter Paul, for being with us this morning. Right. We're going to take a break and be right back. FM 106.1 and AM 1050 WTCA. The Belmart BP station at the corner of Michigan and Jefferson Streets in downtown Plymouth not only provides BP fuel to keep you moving down the road, but they can also keep you moving throughout the day. Some gas can cause nasty dirt deposits to build up on critical engine parts, dragging your fuel economy down and leading to unexpected trips to the mechanic. All grades of BP gasoline have Invigorator, a cleaning agent that helps defend your engine against dirt to give you more miles to the tank, and that means more easygoing for you. And how about the fuel you put in your own tank? The Belmart BP station has Gatorade Thirst Quencher, two for three fifty, or the new Buy a Boost. It's a Wonder Water, a plant-based energy drink. 
two for four dollars. Check out the Belmark Coffee Bar with hyper-caffeinated Jamaica Me Crazy, Blueberry Muffin, or Decaf Coffee. Plymouth Belmart BP opens at 4 a.m. for all you early birds. Are you looking for a new hauler for trash removal? Call Apex Waste. Large or small, we'll take your call. When you choose Apex Waste, there's no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and no taxes. What we say is what you pay. Apex Waste is a local, family-owned company that is dedicated to reliable, friendly service. Call Apex Waste at 574-896-APEX. That's 574-896-2739 or visit us online at apexwaste.net. You're listening to FM 106.1 and AM 1050. WTCA, Plymouth. Okay, and I'm back. Problem is that it just jumped to 11 o'clock, so I have to figure out where... Okay, there it goes. Um, I got one more play hopefully this will play for us spring has officially sprung and marshall county crossroads is inviting the community to clean up your favorite block street and park during the community cleanup challenge taking place now until the end of the month team up with marshall county crossroads and the recycle depot as well as your neighbors friends and youth groups clubs and colleagues to help build a sense of pride as we work together throughout our great hometowns to clean up the litter don't forget to take pictures of your cleanup and add them to social media. Promote your cleanup efforts by tagging at Great Hometowns. Learn more at www.marshallcountycrossroads.com forward slash community cleanup. You are tuned to FM 106.1 and AM 1050 WTCA in Plymouth, Indiana. And what's your opinion? Phone lines are open at 574-936-4096. So call now and join the fun. Now here's Kathy and Rusty. And it's just Kathy this morning. Rusty is under the weather, so I'm going to wrap things up for the rest of the week. Um, If anybody's listening still out there, I do have two prizes to give away. The first prize, we're going to do it while I'm working on birthdays. Um, the first prize includes a ticket to the Elks Lodge here in Plymouth. It is for one of their complimentary dinners on Friday night only. You are required to dine in, and the value is not to exceed twelve ninety five. So for just so you have an idea, for tonight out at the Elks, they are having all-you-can-eat fish. They are also having jumbo shrimp. They are having fried chicken. And they are having fish and shrimp. Those are the $12.95 meals. And that includes the salad bar, the potato, and a dessert. So that's what you can use your ticket for. If you want to go smaller, they do have a fish basket and a pulled pork platter tonight for $10.95. That also includes the salad bar, the potato, and the dessert. So There's a ticket for the Elks on a Friday night dinner. And then I want to feed you tomorrow, too. I have another ticket to Just Breathe Fundraiser for Tim Cornette. It's happening tomorrow at Bob's Cafeteria at 610 East Jefferson Street here in Plymouth. Uh, This ticket is $15. You get a barbecue sandwich, coleslaw, kettle chips, a bottle of water, and a cookie. And it is to help... 
uh, with the proceeds for the Cornette family for all the medical and travel expenses they are uh, enduring at trying to get Tim a double lung transplant. So let me grab a dice here. Sorry, hit the microphone and roll it up. That's caller number three at 574-936-4096, for a ticket for Just Breathe on Saturday night and a ticket to the Plymouth Elks Lodge on Friday night for dinner. And while that's going on and we're getting a winner, phone lines are open. We're going to do birthdays. Okay, birthdays for today. Marlene Mahler is celebrating a birthday today. Happy birthday, Marlene. I also have a belated birthday from Sunday the 24th, so last weekend. Uh, Bob Jacobs celebrated his birthday. So, Bob, congratulations to you. And I have a couple of birthdays for tomorrow. Celebrating a birthday tomorrow. Miss Penny Lucanbill is celebrating her birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday, Penny. And also celebrating a birthday tomorrow, Carla Ringard uh, is celebrating a birthday. So those names are in the hat. I'm here by myself, so I'll shake up the hat. Oh, and Jim's going to draw my winner out. (laughs) He's like. Okay, honey, you got to be able to read them, too. The birthday winner is Essie Hall. She celebrated her birthday yesterday, 94 years old. Happy birthday, Essie. You've got four cupcakes from the co- from La Dessert Cafe. You got a winner, honey. Hold on. The Coffee Lodge, a small drink of your choice, and a beautiful bouquet of flowers from Felky Florist. Okay. And on our tickets for the Elks Lodge and the Breathe, Just Breathe fundraiser, Jenny B is our winner. So congratulations to you. Yeah, let's stop this. That song goes on forever and ever. And we'll do this one. Okay, anniversaries. I have one somewhere. Here it is for today. Happy anniversary to Don and Nancy Ferris. They are celebrating 52 years of wedded bliss today. So we're going to put their name in the hat. There are quite a few anniversaries in this hat. Uh, It is almost overflowing. In fact, there's so many in here. Okay. Pull out a winner. And our winner is Dave and Kathy Hammond celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary on April 22nd. So happy birthday to you guys, or no, happy anniversary to you guys. 
Uh, you've got a $50 from the Deaton Clemens Van Gilder Funeral Home for being this month's anniversary winners. And while I'm working on the trading post, I told you guys I had another prize to give away. So if somebody's listening out there and still wants to be a winner, I've got a $15 gift certificate from Pizza Bills in downtown Plymouth. You can use it for your choice of what you would like to have. Uh, rather, it would be the pizza of your choice or some candy, lunch, a salad, whatever. Just remember that you can't, you can only win per family and per household. We ask you to wait 30 days in between each time you win so that we allow everybody else to um, be a winner. So there's a $15 gift certificate, and I'm going to play this. Let's go shopping, let's go shopping, let's go shopping, you and me. Let's go shopping. And this morning on the Trading Post, the Town of Culver will be hosting their spring-wide garage sales this weekend, today and tomorrow. And they have a complete list of everybody participating. There are probably 40 homes that are participating in this sale. Uh, most of the sale hours are 8 to 4 today and tomorrow. There is an interactive map available on the Town of Culver's website. You can also pick up information. Oh, I can't remember. At the gas stations and at the bank in Culver, if you are interested. Also, for sale, they have some free-range farm-fresh eggs. They're $3 a dozen. If you are interested in the eggs, the number to call is 574-892-6410. That's 574-892-6410. If nobody answers, leave a message and they'll call you back for the far, the farm, the free-range farm-fresh eggs. Phew! That was a lot of work getting that done. Now, well, there's... Oh, maybe I can tell you on, on my computer. It is Friday, so we're at the end of the week. We could, we should have baseball tonight. Hopefully, Rusty will have been in bed all day and he'll be okay so that he can be on the show and, and do the ball game tonight. Um, coming up next week on Monday, Fred Webster will be joining Rusty as I head out to the county commissioner's meeting. Um, and they have a guest, uh, the farmer's market, uh, Tom Kebb will be in, uh, because the farmer's market's going to be opening next Saturday. Um, looking at the week going forward, it looks like Commissioner Stan Klotz. Uh, no, Stan can't be with us because that's election day. <laughs> so we'll have to adjust that. But we'll have a commissioner on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, Cash and Creek Florist is coming in to talk about your spring planting. Right now, Friday's an open day. And next Friday, or Thursday is an open day. And next Friday, next week, we're going to be talking about the Sober Living House um, called Serenity House, which is located uh, next to Christo's Banquet Center on Lincoln Way East. So those are that's our lineup for uh, next week coming up. I really want to thank uh, everybody for listening and putting up with me today. And I hope Rusty will be back on Monday. So I don't have to do this anymore. But you guys all have a great weekend.
Progressive presents today's to-do list for your cat. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get food. Walk away from food. Move to couch. See human. Give cold shoulder. Take a nap. Meow till I get your food. Your pet has a food. very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Move to couch. Aggressively clean myself. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get coverage get for your pets with anti-auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with a purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. Want to know what's going on in Marshall County? Just reach for the pilot news. Local government, people, and places. Since 1851, the pilot news has been Marshall County's only daily local newspaper. So when you want to know what's happening around town, pick up the pilot news. Call 936 3101 today and have everything in Marshall County delivered to your doorstep. The pilot news. Hello, Marshall County. I'm Nicole Cox. If you live in Polk, North, or Eastern Center Township, I'm running to represent you on the County Council. Like many of you, I was frustrated that despite the message we sent in the last two elections, the incumbent members of the council have refused to make road repair a priority. I've knocked on hundreds of doors in our district, and voters are telling me they want new leadership that listens. My opponent continues to support the current Marshall County road plan, which might not reach some of your roads until 2037. That's 15 years, and that's unacceptable. If you elect me, Nicole Cox, I will fight for you. I will put first things first and say no to the nonsense. Again, I'm Nicole Cox. I'm a proud conservative Republican. I'm running for Marshall County Council May 3rd, and I would be honored to have your vote. Paid for by conservatives for Nicole Cox. You're listening to FM 106.1 and AM 1050. WTCA Plymouth. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Linda Kenyon in Washington. A report out this morning finds inflation has jumped 6.6%. That's the highest 12-month jump in four decades. Despite the higher prices, economist Gus Fauché says consumers are still out there spending. Consumers are spending money on services, so they feel more comfortable going out to eat at restaurants, going traveling, going to the movies, things like that. Obviously also spending more on gasoline with higher prices, spending more on food with higher prices. There are also signs that inflation might be slowing maybe even nearing its peak for now. Ukraine's president is accusing Russia of trying to humiliate the United Nations by launching missile strikes on Kiev during a visit by the U.N. Secretary General. It was the first attack on the Ukrainian capital in weeks, and it came just after a press conference with President Zelensky and U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres. The strikes came as residents had been returning to the city and businesses reopening. Russia confirmed it carried out the strikes. CBS's Cami McCormick. More than 3,000 refugees, migrants.